G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. To discuss all things post-election, we have Formula Deputy Prime Minister of Australia and the leader of the National Party of Australia, John Anderson. John, welcome to 2020. Good to be with you. Now, you were at the top end of federal politics from 1999 to July 2005. Now, it seems those days of Parliament are long gone. Well, that's uh, certainly something people say to me a lot. They say, uh, we wish we had that stability back. I was actually there for a fair bit longer than that. Those were the years that I was Deputy PM. Yes. Uh, it wasn't easy, frankly. And at the time, it didn't seem like it was settled and going well. But in retrospect, and compared to what's happening today, it was a model of um, reasonableness and sweet, uh, sweet reason. So what are your thoughts on today's political landscape now? I'm extremely concerned. I'm extremely concerned that um, the Australian people feel evidently um, less than convinced with the options before them, um, unable to enthusiastically embrace the teams in the way that they once did. Uh, I think it was a, a regrettably dishonest campaign, I have to say that. Uh, the idea that Medicare was for sale is an absolute nonsense. It just doesn't stack up. It's funded by the taxpayers. Uh, and, of course, um, it's an incredibly expensive thing to run. It's not a business. You couldn't privatise it. But logic didn't seem to matter. Mm. Uh, and, I look, I have to be frank, I personally believe that the Coalition failed to really press home its story and people were saying it's a lacklustre campaign. We can't get excited about it. I think all of that is deeply regrettable. And I say that because I think these are quite dangerous times for Australia. Do you think the Australian... The world is an unstable place. Yes. Strategically uh, and economically and politically. And we don't want this to be strategically and politically and economically unstable. Not our country. We don't want that. Do you think the Australian people are underwhelmed about politics and the revolving door of Prime Ministers? I mean, what, what does the result say about Malcolm Turnbull's decision to mount a coup against Tony Abbott? I don't know that I feel in a position to really give you an honest view on that, other than to make the general remark that I think Australians are concerned, many are disillusioned, some are cynical, and I'm going to be very rude here and say, I'm going to tell you what I really think about something. This is not just a one-way problem. It isn't just the politicians. I was out and about on the weekend, and one of the things I did see was quite a few people who, who plainly said, excuse the expression, but stuff politics and stuff politicians, I don't give a damn, and I don't care how I vote. It isn't going to make any difference. Well, it does make a difference. And I couldn't help thinking as I watched uh, one young bloke in particular, I thought, I'll bet you you're turning up for your entitlement funded by the taxpayers on Monday, whatever that happens to be. You'll expect it to be there, and yet you can't stop long enough to take your role as a civic, as a member of the community and your civic responsibilities seriously. So I get that people are disillusioned with the politicians, but frankly, I think there's a triangle here. There's the media. You know, they're the oil that make things work. They inform or they misinform, as mm. the case may be. Uh, there's the uh, the voters, uh, and there are, of course, um, 
the political leaders themselves, uh, all of us need to recognise that the contracts are breaking down and we've got to put them back for the sake, back together for the sake of our children and grandchildren. This is a great country. But as I used to say to the school kids when they came to Canberra, name me a great country that's not a democracy. Well, we need to strengthen our democracy, not weaken it, because all the great places to live in are democracies. But if they fail, we'll end up being like the countries that are not democracies. Mm. Do you think the high record vote for independence and minor parties signal Australia as having its own Trump-Brexit reaction against political elites? I think there is an element of that. But interestingly, you see the Greens have lost seats Mm. uh, and uh, the Xenophon party didn't do anything anywhere nearly as well as people were expecting. So I think what you've got, funnily enough, uh, it was my party that did a little better than might have been expected. In fact, in many of its seats, got a strong swing to it, the National Party. Uh, There's still two in doubt, but uh, we've certainly picked one up and uh, many of the seats we held are looking better, not weaker which is good. I'm encouraged by that. We must be doing something right. Uh, But look, yeah, people I think are disillusioned. I think they're sick of being fed um, uh, stories and perspectives and opinions, I'm going to say this, by too much of the media who don't analyse things properly and don't pass on careful analysis and push their barrows all the time. I think that's a big part of the problem. And I think there's another problem. I think in an age of social media, people follow the slant, the spin that they want to believe in. I personally believe that careful discernment and analysis is every citizen's responsibility. And I also think that it's incredibly important that we be involved in hearing both sides of the case. I always say to my own children, don't believe your own position until you've heard the opponent's position and argued it through and satisfied yourself that you're right. And if you're not right, you've got to be prepared to change your mind. Well, there's not a lot of that about in Australia anymore. Not just Australia, but in the West. So, as I say, yeah, I believe there are three corners to this. There's the electorate, there's the media, there's the politicians. All of us somehow need to find a way to start to talk to one another properly again and work out what can and can't be done. We're speaking to John Anderson, the former Deputy Prime Minister of Australia, talking about everything post-election. We'll be back in just a moment. Leading the way with Dr. Michael Youssef, equipping us to grow into a deeper walk with Christ. Part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au. We're back with uh, John Anderson on 2020. Now, John, we're just going to pick up now on the current counting. The Coalition holds 72 seats to Labor's 67, with four independents and one Green on the crossbench. It's unlikely that the LNP will claim the 76 seats it needs to form a majority government. Is a hung parliament a hypothetical or a real reality? I think it's a little early to say, uh, uh, but it's, it's a distinct possibility. Uh, whatever happens, I don't think you've got the sort of authority and clear-cut recognition of the right to govern that I believe Australia needs at the moment. These are very uncertain times. We don't need messy senates that can't make up their minds where people push single issues rather than the national interest. I'm all for the Senate stopping bad ideas, but I find it appalling when they uh, block good ideas for the sake of some you know, uh, narrow argument that doesn't go to the heart of what's in the national interest. This is no time for fooling around. We do have a serious set of budgetary issues coming up. They are serious. Might not be an immediate crisis, but it will turn into a crisis 
if we don't get the budget under control and we get another nasty shock. That's what happened to Europe. We don't want to go there. Um, we do face a, a, you know, a fair bit of instability in the region and indeed globally. Mm. We do not need to be distracted by the pursuit of issues that don't go to the national interest on those fronts. Then we've got big social issues. And I, for one, are dismayed at the ugliness of the debate about same-sex marriage. And uh, I find it completely and absolutely unacceptable that uh, people who have reservations about programs like safe schools are now apparently homophobes and bigots and haters. This sort of divisiveness needs to end. We all have to be prepared to hear the other side, uh, but uh, with respect, uh, and people need to feel that they can actually speak their mind because I meet a lot of Australians who a lot of Australians, including young Australians, who will say, I don't feel I can have my say now. I don't want to cop the flack and the criticism and the, um, the, the, the scorn that will be directed at me if I have a different view. Do you That's think not a healthy democracy. Do you think that there is a fear in the Christian community to be able to express their views? Oh, it's not just the Christian community. Professor Bernard Lewis, who's one of the world's cleverest men from Princeton University, told the United Nations quite recently, that Western men and women have not felt so constrained, so unable to speak freely for at least 200 years. So there's a lot of people out there who have a lot of control, and I'm sorry, but this includes quite a few, not all, but a lot in the media. They've got almost complete control of the battlefield, and they just strafe you with abuse. And people don't like that. Decent, civilised people don't like being abused for having a view that's not in accordance with with the elites, with, with what we might call the elites. And that's not right. Democracy doesn't work properly if people can't express their views. When In relation to the same-sex marriage and the plebiscite and the safe schools program, do you expect those things to stall with competing interests set to escalate in the Senate? I hope that common sense will prevail and people will recognise these issues have to be thought through, spoken about. Honesty declared, I, I, you know, uh, put as a priority, respect for the other person, I hope. I have to say at the moment, like a lot of Australians, I'm looking at this and I'm not feeling very optimistic. So, uh, you know, any of your listeners who are with me, please uh, do what you can to say to others, to, to make sure that we ourselves are polite and civilised and decent, even if we're firm in our views, whatever they might be, uh, and let's encourage others to be the same. What's the old saying? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Mm. His words do hurt, and a lot of people do feel silenced, and a lot of the so-called, let's use the word because everybody else is, elites, the people who are pretty arrogant, a lot of them, and think they know what's best for us. But, gee, they know how to hurt. They know how to shut others down. In fact, I heard a, a man say the other day that a lot of these people are not interested in winning the debate. They're more interested in making sure that we don't have it. They want to shut it down. And that applies to too many debates in Australia today. Mm. As Christians, how do you think we should respond in the days ahead? Uh, well, I'm certainly, I certainly believe that we need to be prayerful before God. We need to recognise that in part society is in trouble because there's no, way, no nice way to put this. Too many of the churches stopped speaking out effectively and engaging in the intellectual debates when they were being had even decades ago. They gave up their turf, and because they gave up their turf, they end up not being respected. 
and uh, we allowed themselves to be run over. Uh, we need to make sure we learn those lessons. We need to recognise that it's never our job to condemn others, ever. It is our job to turn the other cheek and to be respectful, but at the same time to politely and firmly put our views. We ought to know what we're talking about before we put those views, but we ought to put those views firmly and politely when we've established clearly where we stand. There's no excuse for us to be sloppy in our thinking or hateful in our language. John, in relation to, I guess, the plebiscite and the debate with same-sex marriage, um, there was reports that John Howard sort of would put his hand up to sort of help in that debate, obviously, with a Christian um, undertone with that. Would that be something that you would put your hand up to also? Uh, in the debate? Well, as the days progress. Yes. Look, I feel duty-bound to. And my first point, my first argument will be, before we have this debate, let's decide that it's A, it's going to be a debate, not a shouting match, and not a shutdown debate, not a shutdown exercise, and B, uh, that we're all going to recognise the decency required to hear one another properly, properly. Uh, the other thing we've got to do is define terms again. One of the things that you always see with aggressive uh, social movements is a redefining of language. And that's a very clever but a very sinister technique that people can use because it means you don't know what you're arguing about. They mm. keep shifting the meaning of words uh, and that can be a real trap in itself. Do you think um, not just Christians but people just want strong leadership? Um, you know, when, when I'm talking about the plebiscite and you, you're saying that you're willing to put your hand up, is that something that you would do, um, I guess, in a stronger way than just saying I support not having same-sex marriage. I mean, I guess what I'm asking is Australians are looking for, for more leaders that are, that are Christian-based, but there doesn't seem to be as many as there used to be. Well, I mean, you know, there's been a terrific effort to silence them, of course. You know, the Christian view is not always welcome in the public square. Now, partly that's sometimes our fault because we don't put it fairly and we don't put it reasonably. Uh, but um, if you really believe in diversity, here's my challenge to the left and to the progressives. You say you believe in diversity. Do you? Really? Are you really prepared to let alternative views be put on the table and then to listen to them with respect? Remember the old saying, I may disagree with you, but I'll defend to the death you're right to say it. Um, and, and we have to... There's a sense in which we've almost got to argue for the right to have a proper debate before we can even have the debate, if you see what I'm driving at. Mm. And many of your listeners will be thinking, well, I just feel, you know, it's almost hardly worth it because of the way I get shouted down. You're right. Um, every time someone speaks out, there'll be somebody who listens and thinks, actually, they're right. And I'm glad they've said that. Now I feel I can speak. So, yes, people are looking for strong leadership. Uh, but one of the problems we have in a community where we've said it's all about me for too long and we've lost our concept of civic glue, if you like, mm -hmm. and of virtue, and there's little common consensus around what's right and wrong and what's what's reasonable and unreasonable, um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a bit of a cacophony out there of sound and, uh, and, and, and movement and fireworks without a lot of real light, I think. Mm. And it's a difficult environment to operate in. Nonetheless, we have to seek to try. And where to from here, would you say? Well, I don't know that we know very much for the next few days. I suppose we should be... Uh, well, we're instructed to pray for our leaders in order that we might be 
well and quietly governed. And uh, I think that's probably what we should be doing at this point in time. Well, we certainly do need to pray, and it seems that there are some challenging days ahead. John, thank you so much for joining us on 2020. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.